Hello, and welcome to Just Like Other Girls. Uh, I'm your host, Shannon Fiedler, and this week, I am just like other New Yorkers. That's right. This week, the entire episode, the full hour, is going to be about the Big Apple, the city that never sleeps, the only place in the world where you can see an $18 cocktail and think, wow, that sounds like a good deal. It's the one, the only, New York City. And I'm going to tell you about my thoughts on it, my experiences. I'm going to share your experiences that you've already been so kind as to share with me through Instagram. And hopefully you'll call in and you'll talk with me live and we'll get to talk about living in New York City together. So let's get into it. All right. So if you haven't already guessed from the fact that I'm even doing an episode entirely on New York City, I live here. I live in New York City. And I have to say, you know, I've lived here for a while and it really is a place unlike any other. Honestly, so much so that sometimes I sometimes I don't even think New York City is a place. It almost feels like something bigger, like it's this like it's its own mythology. And I know that that sounds very like heady and pretentious and it probably is, if I'm being honest, but if you think about it like New York City, whether you love it or you hate it or probably more accurately, you love it and you hate it. It really, it has a reputation that precedes it. It is larger than life. I mean, we have been being fed New York City folklore and these romanticized stories and just this idea of what New York City is and what it symbolizes and what it means to be in New York City our entire lives. Like it is the setting for probably like 50% of rom-coms, which I don't know about you guys, but those are very formative for me, all of those rom-coms. But it's it's not just that. I mean, it's the inspiration for arguably some of the best songs ever written and probably arguably some not so very good songs. But if you think about it, like the biggest artists, three of my favorite artists all time, all have iconic bangers about New York City from Sinatra to Springsteen to Swift. They all have felt moved to sing about New York City. Like the spirit of the city has given them inspiration to create music. So that's that's big and important and impacts you whether you're a listener or you live here. It's also prominent in truly like iconic generation defining television shows. I mean, everything from Mad Men to Seinfeld, Law and Order. I mean, going back as far as to like the beginning of television. I mean, I Love Lucy, The Honeymooners, these shows all take place in New York. And I mean, sometimes I would go so far as to say New York City surpasses being the setting of these shows. It, it becomes the the extra character, right? Like if you watch Sex in the City, which I'm sure you've seen, I, I would argue that the fifth friend in that friend group is New York City. It's Carrie, Miranda, Charlotte, Samantha, and New York. It is a character in that show. And yes, of course, there's also Friends, but I'm going to leave Friends off this list because while I think that is an absolutely fantastic show, it has arguably nothing to do with living in New York City. And I think we can all agree on that. Like that show could have taken place in Cleveland and all of the plot lines and storylines would have been the same. Hilarious nonetheless, but while that show does take place in New York, it doesn't have that same sort of New York feeling. But basically, I'm getting off track. What I'm trying to get at here is that from Broadway to literature to film, New York City has been incredible fodder for amazing storytelling. And so 
I think when you grow up with that, again, whether you want to be a part of it or you want nothing to do with it, you can't help but feel that it's more than just geography, right? It's more than just a place that has streets that are numbered and really tall buildings. It's New York is it's a feeling, right? It it has a legend around it that you can buy into or not, but regardless, it exists. And the city itself has a personality. And I guess kind of like real people, um, it has good days and it has bad days. That personality can be volatile. So living in New York, I think, is up and down. I think there is no way, you know, people come in so hot with like, it's the best city in the world, it's the worst city in the world. And the truth of the matter is, I think both of those things can be true at different times. This city is so multifaceted and diverse and it's truly boundless. You can do anything on any day here. And because of that, it can be exhilarating and also heartbreaking and confusing and wildly weird and energizing. And I think New Yorkers, if you've lived in New York, even for three months, you get that. You know that New York is everything at the same time. And if you don't live in New York, I'm going to go ahead and assume, and I know what happens when you assume. So please forgive me if you disagree with this. But I think if you don't live in New York, you probably have a strong opinion about it anyway, either you know, you grew up and you were the little girl who wanted to move to New York and make her dreams come true in the big city, or you're the kind of person who's like, I hope I never have to set foot in that place because it smells bad and it's crowded and it's dirty. And the thing is, both of those people are right. You know, like having lived here, it, it is, it, it is so many experiences at once. Like some days it genuinely feels like the honor of a lifetime to get the chance to say that I have an address in New York City. And there are other days when it feels like cruel and unusual punishment that should be reserved for like the worst offenders. And, you know, it's really, it's so many things at once. And like, it almost feels like a toxic boyfriend in some ways. And I think that makes sense because like New York is a city that I feel like you don't just live in New York. You have a relationship with New York. Like New York is an active participant in my experience with it. Like I don't just live here. New York is doing things to make me feel a certain way at all times. And it gives me the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And I think a lot of people feel that, but at the end of the day, you keep coming back for more, right? Like it genuinely feels like a bad boyfriend because you get to that point, right? You're like, I am so done with New York. I am over. New I am leaving New York. I am done. I'm going to be a part of something that respects me that where I don't have to work so hard, where I'm going to try harder. And then the minute you have that realization, suddenly like John Mulaney is in line in front of you at La Colombe and you're like, how could I ever leave this place? So I think you kind of come to terms with the fact that like there's going to be good days, there's going to be bad days. And those are going to be, again, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And I do think that that's something I respect about New Yorkers is that we acknowledge that. Like, I, I think, I think, look, if you're not a New Yorker, you know a New Yorker, you've seen a New Yorker, there is, I don't necessarily love to admit it, but there is a certain New York sensibility and mentality. Some might call it New York elitism. Um, I could potentially pick a softer term, but this idea of like the, the mentality of New York or nowhere, right? Like, why would I live anywhere else in the world? Like New York is the be all and end all of the universe. And I don't, I don't believe that, you know, I've lived in other places. I think there is 
there are so many amazing places, but there is sort of an overarching feeling when you're in New York, this is the best city in the world. Why would you go anywhere else? But the reason I respect that opinion is because I have never once met a New Yorker who wasn't also brutally realistic and honest about living here. Like we are the first ones to tell you how fucked up your days are living in New York City and the shit that we see on a daily basis. And still in the face of all of that, we continue to choose to live here. Like we don't have to we don't have to hard sell New York to people. We don't have to be like, oh my God, it's great. It's all sunshine and roses. And like, yes, something sort of weird happened, but I didn't, we're like, no, like someone could literally come up. Like, I feel like the New Yorker sentimentality or sensibility would be to come up to you and be like, it's so fucking hot. I stepped on a rat this morning. Someone threw up in my subway car, threw up in the middle of it. And we got delayed at Union Square, obviously. And then this angry guy on the subway just threw his hot coffee at me. But I have reservations at Carbone at eight o'clock tonight. So honestly, I think it's a pretty good day for New York. And like that is genuinely the way we feel about like you take all of the shit to get to get the magic and the inspiration that you feel living here. So that's sort of like my opinion on New York, the the good, the bad and the ugly, I guess. But I am I'm on my ninth year of living in the city, which feels crazy to say that is such a long time. That is a long time to do anything. It is, I have no idea why my mind is going here, but it would be like if on the day I moved into New York, I broke a mirror, I would have outlived the seven years of bad luck associated with that. And I don't know, I know that is an incredibly odd measuring stick upon which to say, but I think honestly, there's nothing else in my life that I could say that about really. Like, I mean, okay, fine. I've been my parents' daughter for 30 years, but anything that I have like opted into, whether that's a situation, an experience, a place I live, a place I work, a relationship, I don't really think anything has lasted as long as my relationship with New York, which makes me feel like I've sort of, I, I've seen a lot of it and I keep continuing to be here. So I, I feel like I have a good understanding of the city to share with you guys. And I don't know, I feel like, okay, so you might not know this, but if you don't live in New York, but if you do live in New York, you, you will know that people love to fight about what makes you a real New Yorker. They, they just, they feel so disproportionately strongly about this. They'll be like, it's five years, it's 10 years. Honestly, I think it's like however long you've been there. And then you're like, anyone who's been here less than me isn't a real New Yorker. And you know, a lot of people say you have to be born here to be a real New Yorker. And I think there's some validity to that. Like the people I know who have born and bred, lived in New York their whole life, that is very different than people who have moved here. And it is a transplant city. A lot of us move here after college. So I think there are two different types of New Yorkers, the ones who are New York from the day they're born and then the people who move here. But I think after my nine years, um, I think I can pretty confidently say that you become a real New Yorker after five experiences crying publicly in the middle of the street. I genuinely think that is that is the moment that you can take your New Yorker badge when you have openly cried. Like I'm talking full breakdown in the middle of the street, like people all around. That is when you know you are a real New Yorker. And I see it every, I mean, I see people crying on the street every day. I have cried on the street. I've cried on Lexington Avenue alone more times than I could count on one hand. I if you need a place to cry, I could not recommend Lexington Avenue enough. 
And I really think that 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 is the moment that you become, that's when you earn your New York card. I mean, look, there are tons of rites of passages to being a New Yorker, like experiences that we all have, like, like seeing that celebrity at a coffee shop or being on a first name basis with your bodega guy or stepping in human feces or pretending that you read and subscribe to the New Yorker. These are all also things that can contribute to you becoming a true New Yorker. But I really don't think anything encompasses that New York experience of what it means to live here, like crying in public. I just think that is the most quintessential New York thing you could ever do. And it sounds bad. It sounds like something you wouldn't want to live through, but I'm not going to lie to you guys here. I I love it. I think there's something very cathartic about it, honestly. And I think like this is going to sound so contradictory, but there is something intensely private about crying in a mass of people and something very freeing. And I know that 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 sounds counterintuitive. It does because, you know, if you're crying around a lot of people, how could that be private? But the thing is, you're crying around people who don't know you and who you don't know, which I, I have to say is is better than crying alone. Like if you cry in your bed, in your apartment by yourself, like that feels so lonely. And I think that makes your cry feel a little bit sadder. If you cry in front of people, you know, suddenly you have to now explain your cry or talk about it or something. If you cry around people on the street while you are walking to dinner or to work, it's almost like, like I said, cathartic. And it's, empowering in some ways to be like, I'm going to feel my emotions and I don't care who sees. And that's going to be it. And the good thing about crying in New York is that someone could see you having a full, true like sob fest. And that'll probably only be like the fourth most interesting thing they see on the street that day. And because of that, no one's going to stop you. No one's going to stop and, and ask you what's going on. And this, I hold on, I have a bone to pick here. This is why I think New Yorkers get a bad rap. Because I think people hear that and they say, see, New Yorkers are so cold. They're not nice. How could you see someone in crying and not talk to them? I want you to imagine this for a second. You are so upset, whether it's about a job, a boyfriend, a bad hangover, whatever it is, you have been moved to tears in the middle of your commute somewhere. That is how upset you are. Do you really want someone to come up to you and be like, are you okay? What's going on? Someone you don't know to come and start asking you questions? Absolutely not. Absolutely. That would be the worst thing that can happen. You want to cry in peace. And so I would like to argue and put a stake in the ground that New Yorkers are actually being incredibly considerate by leaving you alone and turning a blind eye and pretending they don't see you crying. I think that is that is the only way you would want that situation to go. And you know what else is really New Yorker-ish about crying in public? It is the most efficient way to cry. New Yorkers, the one thing that people say about us that is absolutely true, we, we are fast. We, we want to get it done as fast as we can. We want to be efficient. We have no time for bullshit. And crying in the street is multitasking. You are feeling your emotions and going where you need to go. Like I can't think of a more efficient way to get a cry out or because of that, a more New Yorker cry. It's like you could schedule it in. You could be like, all right, I have a 20 minute walk to Chelsea to go to dinner. This is a great time to call my mom and cry to her about how much I hate my job. Um, Usually when I cry on the street, I'm on the phone with my mom because she is related to me. So she has to listen to me cry. So maybe that goes against my privateness, but I guess it's, it's slightly different when it's your own mom. So yeah, I would argue that the thing that makes you the most New York is crying on the street. 
And I, like I said, I can't recommend Lexington Avenue enough. I would definitely pick an avenue over a street. For those of you who don't live in New York, just so you know, avenues, they're wider. They get more sunlight. There's like longer, like there's less space between blocks. Like they're, the streets are closer together than the avenues are. So there's always something new. Um, crying in an avenue is really an experience unlike any other. So those are my sort of hot takes off the start, my favorite New York stories. I'm going to enable my call-in. So if you have any New York stories you'd like to share, please call in. We could talk about them. We could riff on them. If not, I will share some of my favorite stories that I did get from asking all of you guys on Instagram to tell me some of your hottest takes, your best only in New York stories. And then, of course, I felt like choosing chaos. I felt like causing trouble. So I started the age-old what's the best bagel debate, and I have definitive answers from the very scientific method of polling my 95,000 Instagram followers, which clearly that is now the only bagel guide we will ever need. There is, it is absolutely undisputable fact what came back in that. So we will get to the bagel question in a second. But I want to start with uh, the best only in New York stories because <laughs> that's part of the fun of living in New York. Okay, so let's see. The first only in New York or my best New York moment story, uh, I'm going to keep these anonymous just to be polite to all of you guys. I don't know who wanted their name shared or not, but we're going to go anonymous across the board. I didn't make any of these up. These are truly crowdsourced. And the first one is I ordered delivery just so the delivery guy could kill a cockroach in my bathtub. <laughs> I love this. I think this is amazing. This is this is the ingenuity that New York City is built on. This is the bravery and and the brains that make New Yorkers New Yorkers. The savviness that you can only get from living in New York City. You're you're killing two bugs with one delivery, if you will. Don't don't turn off the podcast because of that terrible pun, please. I I promise you that I only have like five more in my brain for tonight. But think about it. I mean like you get two, you get an exterminator and pad tie all for what a five dollar seamless delivery fee. Kind of can't beat it. And I get it because if you live in New York and you've ever seen a cockroach, look, I, I've lived here, like I said, nine years. I've seen a lot of freaking cockroaches. You are never prepared to see a cockroach, no matter what this is. You could be outside, you could be inside, you could be. I saw a cockroach in a dressing room once uh, in restaurants. I hate to say it, but they're there. It is always jarring. And they are the ugliest creatures known to mankind. Like, I feel like they're like part robot, part dinosaur, part health code violation. And we just like accept that they're part of the fabric of our New York City experience. I, the first time I saw a cockroach um, was in my apartment. I lived alone at the time. I came home. I don't know if I was like out with friends, work, whatever. I come home and obviously I didn't have a dishwasher. This is New York City. You don't get dishwashers. And just sitting under my drying rack as I went to do the dishes in my sink was a cockroach. And I've never been so disgusted in my life. I immediately screamed and called my dad, <laughs> who lived in Connecticut. And he was like, Shannon, I am 150 miles away. What do you want me to do about this? And I was like, I don't, I think I need moral support. And so he was like laughing at me hysterically. I have him on speakerphone. He's like, use the broom. Well, I didn't have a broom. I had a Swiffer, which I assumed would be the same thing. But if you've ever used a Swiffer, you know that like their heads are like on a swivel. So when you like bang it at a cockroach, 
the head doesn't go where you want it to because it goes like flying. It does a little dance move of its own. So I was like chasing this cockroach around my apartment for probably like 25 minutes. I obviously didn't sleep all night because I thought there was going to be a cockroach crawling on me. And I also, here's a fun fact for you guys. I learned recently that some cockroaches can fly. So good luck ever going to sleep again now that you know that. But I have to say, ordering delivery so that the guy can kill your cockroach is is pretty amazing. And I, I think I'm going to have to take that next time. Hopefully I don't see one, but if I do. Um, okay, let's see. Here's another good New York story. This one is from a mom. She wanted to specify that. And she says that the nannies at the New York Public Library made me cry because the New York nanny mafia is real. Okay, I like, I need to know more. I, I wish I could riff on this better, but I am just so unbelievably intrigued and like flummoxed that there's a New York nanny mafia. Like that is, that is, that sounds like the best new show Netflix could ever put out. Netflix, if you're listening, call me up. We'll write a treatment because I need to know what this entails. I, I wish I had more to say. I, if you wrote this in, please DM me again and explain to me what this entails because I want to do like a full investigative journalism piece on this. <laughs> okay. Someone says they saw a bouncer at a pizza place. I think that's like one of the most New York things I've ever heard. And honestly, like, I think if anywhere deserves a bouncer, it's a pizza place. Like a pizzeria is going to give you so much more than a nightclub ever could. So I think we should gatekeep it and make sure that only people who are worthy of a New York slice can get in. I'm sure there are plenty of nights at 2 a.m. that I've gone to pizza places that I would not get in. But you know what? Those are the nights that I probably didn't deserve a pizza. I probably should have gone home and just eaten like mac and cheese. But I, I'm kind of down with the, the bouncer at a pizza place. Okay, let's see. The next one. All right, this one. This is a story. Someone tells me that when they were looking for their first apartment in the city with an agent, they fell in love with the agent and then they got married. That's like the cutest meet cute I have ever heard. It's like, you want to talk about Netflix? We should start a movie. Like, well, first of all, I have to say, this one feels the most far-fetched to me of any of the stories that I've cited so far because only because I've never once heard someone have a positive story about apartment hunting in New York City. <laughs> like, it's usually like, yeah, I saw this listing on Street Easy and it looked kind of good, but I got there and the toilet was in the kitchen, which like spatially, I felt like the feng shui was fine, but it felt a little bit like a sanitary issue. So, you know, I went to, with the broker to another place. It was a 13th floor walk up with no refrigerator. And he told me if I didn't put in an offer immediately, someone else was going to buy it right from underneath me. So I put in an offer and it's off the market and I paid him a broker's fee of $40,000 and the first right of refusal to my firstborn child. So all in all, feeling pretty good about, about my apartment hunt. Like that is genuinely what it's like. Finding an apartment in New York City, finding an apartment anywhere, moving, they say it's like one of the most stressful things you can ever do. Trying to do it in New York is just like, it is the hardest thing in the world because they, they really do move that fast. Like you need to sign the apartment immediately and none of the apartments are great. Right? Like even the best apartment, you're like, you, you don't have a dishwasher. Like the things that we sacrifice that we think are viable living conditions. But this person goes to look for an apartment when they first move to the city, like their first experience apartment hunting in New York, they meet their future spouse. Like that is 
that is unbelievable. Like that is, that has got to be the coolest story. I've, like, I hope the people from Hallmark have contacted you because they should take the rights to your story and, and make a Hallmark original movie about it. And they'll probably set it at Christmas and he'll propose to you in front of the tree while you're skating at Rockefeller. Like it would be charming, lovely. We'd all watch it and have unrealistic hopes, not just for living in New York City, but the finding in a, an apartment experience. So that's like a good only like I expect I gotta say, I expected when I said your best New York moment or your only in New York story, I expected them all to be negative because <laughs> I don't know, I just did. Like someone just wrote in the next one I see is I saw a man feeding his snake on the A train. And I was like, yeah, that tracks. Obviously, I'm not surprised it was the A train. Like there's no other train that it could have been. But I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised with how many people shared stories that were positive in nature, like finding their spouse as a broker or like this one. This one is actually so heartwarming. Um, someone shared with me that my dad graduated high school in the Philippines in 1968. And in 2018, he ran into a classmate in New York on the street and they hadn't seen each other in 50 years. His friend just called out his name and they had a reunion. And I love that. And I think that's, I think that's one of the things that people don't know about New York. When you don't live here, you assume, okay, city of 8 million people, I'm never going to run into my ex. Well, joke's on you. You're going to run into everyone you've ever met on the day you look your absolute worst. But it's true. New York City is actually very small and you do run into people all the time and you run into people that you hadn't seen. Like I ran into a friend from childhood on the Metro North train on Thanksgiving morning. And I genuinely, I hadn't seen this girl in 10 years and it was just like this magical reunion. And I think New York really facilitates that because it attracts people from all over the world and people that you've lost touch with might find themselves here. It's also, here's just one other interesting thought about living in New York, everyone, like at some point or another, I feel like most people have to come through New York for something, whether it's a layover or a business meeting, or they have a wedding here, anything like that. I, you end up seeing your friends who don't live in the city, I think more than you would if you lived somewhere else, because they always end up coming back here. So it's just another great reason to live here you're never going to be out of touch with your friends because there's always going to be a reason for them to visit. Oh my God. Okay. This story is probably the worst one of any that I, I got from my only New York stories. I saw a guy, I can't even say that, bite into a pigeon on the subway. I feel like I'm going to vomit just from reading that. Like, like my skin is literally crawling, trying to picture that. Like it's time for a quick Shan off. Um, that's a segment that I do on this show where I tell you about things that really piss me off, tick me off, just things I hate. And probably one of the things I hate more than anything in this world is pigeons. I find them, I'm not just, I don't just dislike them. I am terrified of them. Like truly, 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 genuinely horrified, afraid, scared. And I like, I know that sounds ridiculous. Like they're, but here, like they are they are a literal flight risk. They are so unpredictable because they are so, so, so stupid. And they have the ability to fly, which means that they can go anywhere and they're only going to make bad choices because they're dumb. So at any moment, a pigeon, you could be passing it and it could get startled or scared or just decide that it feels like taking flight and it could fly into your head. And I think about this a lot. And I cannot think of anything 
more disgusting than the thought of a pigeon touching any part of my body. Like they are so gross and vile. And I like, I've literally crossed the street because there were too many pigeons on my side of the sidewalk. Like that is how afraid I am of that. Like, I think if a pigeon flew into, like if it hit my hand by accident, I don't know if I would ever feel clean again. Like, I think that I would have to like shower for like 72 hours straight. And then I would still probably consider burning off my hand. That is how strongly I feel about how disgusting these pigeons are. And to hear the story about someone biting one, and I know someone's gonna be like, squab, it's a delicacy. It's a gross delicacy. I'm sorry. Like, I don't understand how anyone can willingly order pigeon on a menu or just even willingly be around. Like sometimes when pigeons land on the windowsill of my apartment, I go to the other side of the apartment. The window's not open. Like that is, that is how afraid I am. So I think if I was this person and I saw a man take a bite out of a pigeon while I was in an enclosed car with him, that might be what it takes to get me to move out of New York City. That could probably be the only thing that would make me be like, you know what? I've done my time. I've had enough. That would, that would probably be it. Okay. And then the last, the last one. Oh, I do want to say a lot of people did chime in with their like best New York stories had to do with like seeing Jerry Seinfeld or Michael Che or Judd Apatow walk onto shows at Gotham or a comedy cellar or the stand uh, that they paid like $12 for. And I just want to say, if you don't go to comedy shows in New York, first of all, you should come to mine, shameless plug. But if you don't, like you should go to real clubs too. You should go to the places like Gotham and the comedy cellar because you never know who's going to walk on. This is where the best of the best comedians are and they are doing sets. And I mean, I was on a show once and Jerry Seinfeld walked on. Well, first Jim Gaffigan came on and then he announced Jerry Seinfeld. And it was when I first started doing comedy. So I was like, not very good, but I had somehow convinced my friends to come see the show and they paid $12 to see me on a Monday night at Gotham. And then they got to see Jim Gaffigan and Jerry Seinfeld and Jerry Seinfeld did this like incredible live Q and a where the audience where he was like, tell me something and I'll feed you a bit about it. And it was just incredible and amazing. And my friends were like, this was the best $12 we've ever spent. We are coming to every single one of your comedy shows. And I was like, damn straight you are, but this will probably not happen again, but you could still come to every single one of my shows. But I do, that is a truly very New York experience. So if you like live comedy at all, I can't recommend going to these places enough because you never know who's going to show up. And it really is. It just feels even cooler when you don't know you're going to get someone when you don't know that Aziz Ansari is just going to pop in and film his special. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've paid money to go see my favorite comedians at MSG or, the Beacon Theater before, but when it's a surprise, that feels like, oh, I live in New York and it's magical. So if you have the chance, I highly recommend doing it. But the last New York moment that someone shared with me that they wrote in was just the simple phrase, the skyline. And this is going to get really, really sappy, but... I'm going to do it anyway because I can. And the thing is, when I read that and I was like, the skyline, I was like, oh, I get it immediately because a lot of people say that the only way to appreciate New York is to leave New York and then to come back. And I, I agree with that. Like sometimes you need to see grass or you have to remember what silence sounds like. Like sometimes you do have to leave New York City, but that feeling of coming back to New York City, whether you're flying into JFK and you're looking out the airplane window or you're on the Amtrak over 
whatever that bridge is near Randall's Island or you're driving in on the FDR and suddenly there ahead of you is the New York City skyline, it is just, you can't help but feel this joy and this pride that you're like, oh my God, I live there. I'm a part of this. Because, and I think part of why it feels that way is because New York City has, like I've said at the beginning, it has been the backdrop to so many amazing stories. And you have seen that establishing shot in so many movies, right? So when you're driving in, that feels like the establishing shot to your life. And I think people talk a lot now, at least on TikTok or my the TikTok that I'm on, I hear a lot about main character energy and this moment of like, maybe it's when you're like sitting on a train and it's raining and you have a good song on your playlist, that sort of main character moment and how cool it feels to just live your life like you're the main character. And I think if I had to distill why living in New York is so incredible is because it just enforces and encourages that feeling of main character energy. New York City is main character energy because, like I said at the beginning, we have been conditioned that the best stories take place in New York City. And I'm not trying to be, you know, there are plenty of other places that have tons of stories that you can feel like a main character in 100%. But there is something about New York that even on the days that you roll out of bed and you're walking down the street in your sweatpants, it still feels like a main character moment because the energy around you, it's like being on a film set. It feels like there's extras and there's people around and, and there's never a dull moment, which is a very cliche way to say that there is always something possible. New York is infinite possibilities. Even the fact that I can walk to my office and I can take a different, sometimes I find myself on a block that I've never been on. Because there are so many different routes to get to one place because you can turn on 15th Street or you can walk an extra block down. You could turn on 14th Street and, you know, you find these certain patterns that maybe you tend to follow. And then suddenly one day the light is red. And like I said, New Yorkers are impatient and efficient. So you take a turn that you weren't planning to turn. And suddenly you find yourself on a block you've never been on in the middle of your own neighborhood. And that feels like magic. It feels like discovery. And there's beautiful brownstones and there's restaurants you might want to try and there's people sitting on their stoop that are interesting and fascinating and i think that that possibility is why new york new york is the setting for so many tv shows because you're never going to run out of plot lines and if that's your life and if every day can feel like a new plot line you'll take the bad plot lines you'll take the men biting into pigeons on the subway for the Jerry Seinfeld at Gotham for $20. You, it's worth that give and take. And I think New York, yeah, like talking about the skyline, like someone said, the skyline is the best New York moment. I think it's easy to just see it as these, I don't even want to belittle it because it's so amazing, but these unbelievable feats of ar architecture and so many buildings and it's just dense and massive and tall and, and overwhelming and impressive. But if you think about it, every single one of those buildings has thousands of windows on it and inside of those windows people live and people work and it's all of those people if you're feeling the main character energy then the millions of extras and sidekicks and and ancillary characters and temporary love interests and bad bosses and good bosses and friends those are the people that are populating your life and creating this really 
diverse, fascinating, interesting tapestry that you get to live your story on. Like I, I find people fascinating. And I think that's probably why I do impressions, why I've done characters, because to me, there's nothing more interesting than watching people be people. I am, I eavesdrop on every conversation. I study people. People probably think I'm a creep who's just staring at them, honestly, but I just find the way people talk, the words they choose, the way they move their hands, the way they, that words catch on their lips or that they purse their tongues and, and the stories that they've had and the experience. I think that is so fascinating. And when you live in New York, no two people you meet are the same. Okay. Maybe some people are the same. There are, there are definitely types, right? Like, you know, I, I don't think I was the only 21 year old living in Murray Hill who wanted to go to the flying cock. Like there were definitely a lot of me, but we all still had different, different places that we came from. We, none of us grew up here, right? Like there was so much intrigue in all of these people. And every day you walk down the street and you hear snippets of conversations that you're like, I couldn't have even imagined this conversation. And if you're fascinated in people like I am as a, a writer and an impressionist and a comedian, it is, it is an endless source of inspiration. And like I said, possibility. So thanks for letting me get a little sappy. I know you came here for comedy, but I couldn't help it. Well, because that was so heartfelt, I, I feel like I have to, to ruin some lives now and I have to go through my bagel rankings because like I said, I chose chaos. I wanted some, something to be controversial about this and that is going to be these bagel rankings. And I want to say, look, I, <laughs> New Yorkers have very strong opinions about their bagels and about their pizza and they will fight you to the death on the best slice or the best bagel. And while I have my strong opinions too, I also am a believer that like even the worst bagel in New York is still a damn good bagel. Like sometimes I think it's ridiculous that we fight so much about this and that we have such strong opinions because like all of these bagel shops you guys sent me are amazing places to get a bagel with the exception of the one dude that wrote in and said Panera because that is blasphemous. But besides that dude, everybody else, you gave me good answers and I want to share my findings with you so that if you come to New York and you're looking for a bagel, like I said, highly scientific, totally crowdsourced, the only ranking of bagels you'll ever need. The infatuation who, eater who. We have Shannon Fiedler's Instagram and I got to tell you, they really can't get more official than that. I, yeah, it totally could, but whatever. Uh, I do want to say the honorable mention that didn't make it into the top five. A lot of people, a lot of people came in and they wrote H and H and I respect that. That is an old standby. It's a classic. I do want to say to those people that wrote H and H, think you should expand your horizons. Feels a little bit like a 2003 opinion. I think we've got more variety now. I think we got new places. You can always keep H and H in your back pocket, but I don't know, man. I think you, I think you could probably find better now. Oh, and a lot of people did also write in, like I had a handful of like Sidels and Frankels and Russ and Daughters. And while those are amazing bagels, I don't think of that as like the New York City bagel experience. You know, if you, if you haven't been to those places, you like, they're like old school delis, but you like sit down and they serve you this beautiful plate of beautifully plated bagel with lox and cream cheese and onions and capers. And it's incredible. But it's not like, oh, I'm really hungover, and if I don't eat a bagel right now, I'm never going to make it through the day. So those are the bagels that I am thinking about when I'm doing this ranking. And so without further ado, because I am the queen of ado, apparently, number five, the number fifth best bagel coming in with a whopping nine votes, 
Uh, and I do want to, that makes it sound like not a lot of people. A lot of people voted, but we got a lot of like two votes or something like that. So, but coming in with nine votes was Tall Bagels. And I've never eaten at Tall Bagels. That's T-A-L. So that is obviously my first order of business for this weekend is to go and find a bagel from Tall. Uh, but I, they have locations across the city. I looked at their website. It looks pretty good. So I will report back on that. Coming in at number four with 12 votes was Brooklyn Bagel, which according to their website is named Food Network's Best New York City Bagel. So if Guy Fieri is behind it, then I'm behind it too. Who am I to judge? All right, now we're into the top three. This is where it really matters. This is the medals. This is, if this was the Olympics of bagels, these are the places that would bring honor to their home country. Um, and so coming in at 13 votes, number three, Absolute Bagels, Upper West Side, near Columbia. And again, never had it. I don't spend much time in the Upper West Side. That's not my neighborhood. But my best friend did go to Columbia, and I am pretty confident I've heard her and a lot of her friends talk about Absolute Bagels. So again, sounds like I need a field trip. All right. In second place, the silver medal, 18 votes was Tompkins Square Bagels. And I have to say, I am not surprised. This place slaps. These bagels are tight. This is actually my fiance's favorite bagel. He loves Tompkins Square. Whenever people come to town, he's like, you have to go to Tompkins Square. And I don't blame him. They are delicious bagels. They come fully loaded. I just want to keep that up to you. Like if you eat a bagel at Tompkins Square for breakfast, like don't plan to eat again until dinner because they are massive and they are so filling. And like, if you get a cream cheese bagel, I swear to God, they put an entire carton of cream cheese on your bagel. It is decadent and delicious. And the true New York experience is in like a super fun area. It's down on the Lower East Side. So again, a really great like brunch kind of bagel when you just like need something salty and filling and hearty to like sop up whatever's in your system from the night before. But finally, coming in at number one, the undisputed winner with a whopping 39 votes, that is almost double the second place, was, of course, Essa Bagel. And I have to tell you, I 100% agree. If you watched the first, or I guess the second ever video I did that went viral was my Manhattan girl on a date, and I name-checked Essa Bagel because I believe that that is the best bagel, and I will stand by that. That bagel is unbeatable. It really is so good. They have so many locations too. Um, and I, I've been to multiple of them and it it tracks. Like it's not like, oh, you only have to go to the, like they're all good. And you can get like your cream cheese. You could get your egg sandwich, whatever you're going to get. You are not going to be disappointed. You go there, you order a BEC SPK, you're going to love it. And anyone who is listening who's not from New York is like, is she speaking tongues? But no, BEC SPK, this is a true like only in New York moment. That is, that is the New York order. The B-E-C-S-P-K, the bacon, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, and ketchup on a bagel. Woo! You cannot beat it. Get it from a bakery. Get it from a bodega. Wherever you're going to get it, you are going to love that B-E-C-S-P-K. And before you come at me, because when I posted my picture about bagels and I had a little bit of ketchup there, so many people were like, ketchup, gross, what's wrong with you? And I get it. I get that you're probably thinking like, bread and ketchup, that sounds weird. But I would like to pose this question to you. Have you ever had a hamburger, or perhaps a Philly cheesesteak? And have you put ketchup on those? That is no different than putting ketchup on a bagel. I'm sorry, it's just not. And I get it. Like the thought of like a loaf of bread and a carton of Heinz, like sure, that sounds vile in the abstract. When you put it on the sandwich, I believe that it is an essential part to the New York City breakfast. And 
I am a firm believer of ketchup on eggs. And I know that a lot of people, like people feel as strongly about ketchup on eggs as they do as pineapple on pizza. And I am one of those people. I have an unnecessarily strong opinion that eggs without ketchup are not worth eating. So look, if you haven't tried ketchup on your bacon, egg and cheese, salt and pepper, you should really give it a shot. And if you don't like it, sorry, don't do it again. It's worth it though. I am a firm believer that you need the ketchup and a little hot sauce if you're if you're feeling spicy, if you're feeling like living on the edge. So anyway, those are the New York City opinions on the best bagel. Uh, the one thing I will say though is that one person wrote in and said the best New York City bagel is the one in your neighborhood. And I have to say, I actually think that should be the honorary winner because that is the right answer. Because whether it's your local bodega, your local bagel shop, even if it's Essa Bagel, there is nothing better than your neighborhood bodega, your neighborhood bagel. <sighs> All right. Somebody is calling in. We're going to see what they have to say. Maybe they have an opinion on bagels. So, hey, Elias, do I have you? Hello. Hi. Shannon. Yes. Is this Elias? <laughs> it is Elias. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I, uh, uh, I was listening to you talk about New York, and I was like, I got to weigh in. Okay. Well, tell me. What's your favorite bagel? I need to know. Uh, favorite bagel, um, gotta be absolute bagel on the Upper West Side. Okay. That was our number three winner. So I haven't been there. Why, why do you think it's the best bagel? Cause I need to try um, it. I think it was my favorite cause I graduated college. My parents used to work near Columbia and I had no job and I was just bullshitting around the city and I would go in there and that was like my big treat for the day. <laughs> That's that's how you know you're young in New York, that your big tree <laughs> is a bagel. You're like, today I am splurging. I'm getting a poppy seed. <laughs> yeah. That's well, amazing. Yeah. Everything. Toasted everything. But oh, yeah. I Actually, agree. Everything is, the, everything's the only there. That's another thing. New Yorkers feel really strongly about whether or not your bagel can be toasted. And they won't toast it at Absolute. I mean, I asked for it and the lady gave me a look like, no, like it's <laughs> fresh. It's fresh out the oven. Just eat it. And I was like, oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah, you got you to take that. It's the best by far, for sure. All right. Well, absolute bagel, high on my list. Elias, do you have a New York story, like an only in New York story that you want to share or a New York hot take? Oh, man. Uh, I'm putting you on the spot. New York story. So many to count. Um, there was one, let me see, the one that comes to mind real quick was I was at a bar with a bunch of friends. Uh, we went outside for a cigarette. We kind of smelled like burning rubber. And we were like looking hmm. around. We weren't really sure where it was coming from. And we looked down the block and there was just a car parked on the side of the street, fully in flames. Oh my God. Why was but it in flames? And no idea. It's just on fire. <laughs> but the best part of it that makes it the most New York part of the whole story is that people, this was a Friday night in the city. So everyone's getting to where they're going. Yeah. And people were just walking by it and no one even looked at it. <laughs> That is new. like the world could literally be on fires and New Yorkers don't have the time to stop. They have places to everyone, be. Everyone just kind of stood around and was like, oh shit. And then the fire department showed up and put it out. And then everyone just kind of like went along with their day, you know? Cheers to the NYFD. Thank you for your service. But seriously, yeah. that's, that is a, that is an only in New York moment. That is like one of it's, it's like crying in the street. You see someone do it. You're just like, oh shit, this car is on fire. This, this girl is in tears. I'm just going to keep living my life and moving on. But That's, also I have places to be. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't have time to stop this fire. Like that is, that is really not on my agenda for tonight. And I had a plan. So that's a good New York story. That is a very good New York story. 
Well, if you have more, please share. But do you have a, and last but not least, do you have a New York hot take? Like an opinion that no one else will agree with? I mean, New York hot take that no one else will agree with. Or here, um, I'll tell you, let me tell you yeah. a hot take that someone sent in to me and you tell me if you yeah, agree with it. Yeah. Okay, two people came in with the hot take. Or sorry, I'm not gonna, hold on. All right, this is this is a hot take. Times Square is not that bad. Agree or disagree? I agree. I agree. I agree too. Oh my God, I'm so, so glad you is, agree. This is controversial because I think it's, you know what it is? I think there's, people move to New York, they're like, wow, Times Square is amazing. And then they learn it's like uncool, considered uncool to like Times Square. So then they like really overcorrect and they're like, no, it's stupid. It's just for tourists. Like it's like a waste, blah, 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 which is true. Like it's not like no, I don't think many like day-to-day New Yorkers hang right. out in Times Square, but right. if you bring anyone who's visiting, <laughs> exactly. If you bring anyone who's visiting New York for the first time though, it's going to blow their mind. As uh, it should. It's amazing. Yeah. It's in the crazy. right setting. I mean, it's not like the most beautiful, the most important. It's not like a real, like, it's not like fine art. Right. Um, <laughs> But no. it's just big advertisements, basically. But it, it's just crazy to look at. So yeah, yeah. I don't I discourage people from going to check it out. I I agree with that a hundred percent. When I got that hot take, I was like, I'm a I'm agreed with this hot take. The take is on fire. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that like that is a hot take. But I agree because, like again, it's about context. Like if I'm commuting somewhere and I have to go through Times Square, not a happy camper. Oh yeah. But if I just happy. went to see a musical. And I come out and I'm in the midst of Times Square. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. You're like having your Big Apple moment for sure. Yeah. The yeah. only thing that I will say needs to go away are the Times Square Mickey Mouse and Elmo. The, oh, those, yeah. things are, those things are scary. They're like that's just an unfortunate byproduct of New York in general. Like whenever there's a big concentration of people, the weirdos come out. And New York for you. To, yeah. You just kind of yeah. have to like learn to navigate around them. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, they're on their grind. They're just trying to make a buck like everyone else. So it's true. It's true. That's fair. I just <laughs> I wish then, crazy, yeah. then I'm going to, I'm going to retract. I just wish that they kept the heads on because I just like, I always feel like I see them and they like have the head on their shoulder. So it's just like a <laughs> decapitated Minnie Mouse. And yeah. I just try to imagine being like a 12 year old or younger, like a six year old and being like, Mickey Mouse has no head. Like, I feel like that would really like you know scar yeah. me for life seeing elmo and buzz Lightyear catch a smoke break is like a weird jarring experience yeah. for sure. <laughs> you're like you're like is this pixar grown up i'm confused <laughs> <laughs> yeah well okay i'm glad that we're aligned on the Times square take because i feel strongly about that it's not a bad yeah. place it's a cool place yeah i think awesome. so yeah all right elias well thank you for calling in it was fun to chat with you my pleasure keep it up all this right great thanks so thanks much. i'll talk to you soon Bye. Bye. All right, guys, a couple more hot takes to end out this show. I'm, I'm super glad that I had a friend aligned with me on Times Square because I felt like that was, I felt like people were going to come for me on agreeing with that. Okay. Uh, here's a fun take. <laughs> New York city is not the city with the hottest guys. Um, I mean like fair, I'm going to agree with that take too. Like Los Angeles exists. Like there is a city where people are permanently tan and presumably carefree. And in New York, we are all sun deprived and anxiety riddled. Of course, we're not going to, like, 
women or men, we're not going to hold a candle to people who get to live on the beach, but New Yorkers are the hottest in spirit. Pretend I didn't say that, but we're going to go with it. Someone, instead of writing in a hot take, just wrote the word rats, which while I appreciate it and, and get it, it's not a hot, it's just a word. That's an animal. Um, okay, let's see. People here use eating and drinking in place of having a personality. Okay, I'm gonna, mm, okay, I'm gonna disagree with this take. I'm gonna say this take is lukewarm, right? Like, it's sort of true, it's sort of not. Here's the, I don't think anyone here thinks eating and drinking is their personality, but I do think a lot of people would consider eating and drinking to be their hobbies, which like at the end of the day, eating is like a basic human need. Like your hobby, like your hobby can't just be like, one of the reasons I wish I lived in a different city is that like, I wish I lived somewhere where I had access to like go hiking or something besides just like every weekend. It's just like, do you want to go to brunch or do you want to go to dinner? Um, I'm working on it though. And <laughs> I guess I'm realizing now, as I say this, that I live in a city with like the Met and the Whitney and Broadway and the Statue of Liberty. Like there are plenty of things for me to do that aren't eating and drinking. So um, maybe this one's not on New York. Maybe this one is on me. Uh, let's see. Let's do two more hot takes. Um, okay. This hot take is that, this is funny. Whoever wrote this in, you should do a set at an open mic night. Someone wrote in that girls who say they live in Tribeca actually live in Fida. <laughs> um, I don't even know if this is a hot, this is just funny because it's, it's true. Actually, I don't know if it's true. I've never lived downtown, but um, I have lived in Murray Hill and <laughs> there was a very long period of brief period, long period, whatever you want to call it of my life where I considered telling people that I lived in North Gramercy because I thought it sounded better. So like I get that, like the, the, the fake neighborhooding of it all is, is definitely an interesting New York stereotype that you like make up neighborhood because there are, I mean, there's neighborhoods like Nomad and Nolita. I mean, like these neighborhoods have silly names, right? Like Dumbo down under the Manhattan bridge overpass. Like who came up with that? I thought it was named after an elephant for years that I lived here or like Nolita north of Little Italy. Like, I think you can get away with saying something like, I live in South Tribeca. Like, yeah, that's technically Fidei, but what, you know what? Live your life. Spin it how you want to spin it. And the last thing I will say on that topic, my biggest hot take is that Murray Hill is not a terrible neighborhood. I This, I, this is a hill, no pun intended, that I will die on because Murray Hill look, it gets a bad rap reputation. It really does. And if you don't live in New York and you're like, what is the reputation of Murray Hill? It's frat bros. It's finance guys who are like one year out of college. And like, yes, they live in Murray Hill. But you know what else? Murray Hill is an incredibly convenient place to live. You get all, like, sure, would I like to live in the West Village? Absolutely. I don't make $9 million a year. So if I wanted to live in the West Village, I would probably live in a basement apartment that had no kitchen. Like, I, I think Murray Hill is a great place to live and it is having a renaissance ever since we got that Van Leeuwen in like what, probably like 2015, 2016. I guess it was probably later than that, but whatever. We got a Van Leeuwen and our stock went up. And if you haven't had Van Leeuwen, you should do that immediately. But I, <laughs> I am a big believer that, that Murray Hill in five years, it's going to be the neighborhood where people want to live. You mark my words. You, I promise you, we have a Trader Joe's. What more do you possibly need? And yes, there are 
look, for every Windsor Court, I think there is an upstanding family that lives in a, a, an apartment that, you know, isn't a giant frat house. But, you know, there are, I see dogs on the street. People have dogs here. You can't, you can't hate on a neighborhood that had do- has dogs. So that is my absolute hottest take. All right, and the last hot take we're going to do is, let's see, uh, you don't have to dress up every day to live in New York like you think you would based off of Sex and the City. Um, this this is a take I also agree with. And this is why, again, why I love New York. You can do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You could go out at eight in the morning in six-inch heels and body glitter, or you could literally wear your pajamas and your cold cream from the night before, and no one's going to stop you either way. And that... That is the beauty of New York. You are never underdressed. You are never overdressed. You are, you are always living, living your own truth. Blech. That sounded so corny. I heard it, but it's true. In New York, you can wear whatever you want and no one's going to care. And you could go wherever you want in those places. And I think that is part of the beauty of New York. You, can, you don't have to live up to anyone's expectations. So that is how I feel about New York. I clearly love it. I clearly have mixed feelings about it on some days. You know, I think I think some of the people who have talked about New York could say it much better than me, like Sinatra himself. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And I think that's true. Anywhere you have to live where you don't have easy access to a washer dryer. <laughs> like, I, I think if you can make it in New York City, you really can make it anywhere. Um, I love that song. Obviously, I also love, now I'm just talking about songs in New York. But I obviously love Welcome to New York because it's by Taylor Swift, an absolute lyrical genius, an icon. And yes, I'm over the moon excited for her new album. Um, so, you know, I love that. You like say what you want about that song, but you put it on and you look at that skyline main character moment, 100 percent. But I have to say and like obviously Jay-Z, Empire State of Mind, that song, it gets the people going like there is. You can't hear that song and be in a bad mood. You, every time I hear that song, I tear up because I'm so excited that I get to live in New York. That is true facts. So, but I do have to say that I actually think my favorite song about living in New York is NYC from the musical Annie. And no, that's not because I was a weird theater kid growing up, which I was. And all I ever wanted was to be Molly in Annie and to say, this place shines like the top of the Chrysler building. And I never got to. So if anyone is doing a production of Annie with only adults and you are looking for a Molly, <laughs> call me up. But besides that, I do think that that song, I, like, I don't know why this is the hill that I am choosing, again, to, the hill to die on or like the the note that I want to end this episode on. But I do like, I think that song is the perfect explanation of New York because it is, it's just that oxymoron of like, you know, they say like, they say it is a mix of everything. It's good. It's bad. And you have that part in the middle where the girl comes in and she's like, tomorrow, a penthouse tonight, the why. I, I know I am pontificating about a musical that is meant for children. I know that this is like lame and corny. But every time I hear that song, as somebody who dreamt of being a little girl who could move to New York, as someone who is now a comedian living in New York and getting to do the thing I want to do, that feeling of my name is going to be up in lights because I came to New York with three bucks in my hand or three bucks, two bags, one me. I came with a lot more bags. If you have been to my, I am a hoarder. I have a lot more than two bags, but I followed those footsteps 
and I've lived all of the weird, the good, the bad, the ugly of New York. And if you need something to listen to tonight, highly recommend the Annie soundtrack. So this was a really odd recommendation to end the show on, but I just want to say thank you guys for listening. This was Just Like Other Girls with Shannon Fiedler, Just Like Other New Yorkers. New York, New York, the best city in the world. Thanks for listening.